to the Agora, the podcast about Greece where we do like to talk about things other than Greek elections, but not quite yet. I'm Phoebe Fernista, and I'm pleased to report that we will not be going to the polls in mid-August because Greece finally has a government. After two attempts this summer, the elections held on Sunday, June 25th, produced a clear winner. Kyriakos Mitsotakis and his center-right New Democracy Party will return for a second term after picking up 40.5% of the vote, just a smidge below the 40.8% they received in May. However, the main opposition party, left-wing Syriza, slipped even further behind the ruling conservatives. Alexis Tsipras and his party gained just 17.8% in the second elections, after a rather devastating 20% in the first vote. Center-left, or socialist, Pasok increased its share of the vote slightly, strengthening its third place with 11.8%. The Greek Communist Party and the ultra-nationalist Greek Solution both returned to parliament, with 7.6% and 4.4% of the vote respectively. The new thing, and what everybody is talking about, is the three new fringe parties that entered Greece's parliament for the first time. The first is the far-right Spartiates, or Spartans, They gained 4.6%, followed by ultra-conservative Niki, or Victory, with 3.6%, and lastly, the populist Plefsi Eleftherias, which translates into Sailing for Freedom, and is led by a former Syriza official and former president of parliament, Zoe Kostandopoulou, grabbed 3.1%. The return of the far-right, in quite considerable numbers and variations, was one of the most significant developments of Sunday's poll because when neo-Nazi Golden Dawn, which was Greece's third biggest party for much of the crisis years, when they failed to be elected in 2019 and much of its leadership was jailed in 2020, after being convicted of forming a criminal gang, many thought or hoped that Greece had seen the back of the extreme right. But these election results prove that that isn't the case. And quite starkly, on election night, the first thing that the Spartiates party leader did was to thank Ilias Kassidiaris, the jailed former Golden Dawn party spokesperson, for providing the fuel, as he called it, for their entry into parliament. Kassidiaris from jail later posted, We won on social media. In all, support for the parties of the hard right totaled almost 13%, which is more than Pasok, the third largest party won. My co-host, Nick Malkudzis, and Macropolis co-founder, Yanis Muzakis, are going to get into all of that and more in this last of our election special podcasts. Although, I'm sure we'll return to the subject of Greek politics and Illinois Nazis soon enough. Yeah, that was a Blues Brothers reference. Before we hear from Nick and Yanis, though, please, guys, remember to subscribe to the Agora wherever you get your podcasts and to send us your feedback and questions. Now... Let's hear some post-election analysis from the guys. 
So Yanis, here we are. One last uh, post-election analysis. One last discussion about this long election period that we've gone through. One that probably began last September when we did a podcast on the uh, pledges that Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis had made at the Thessaloniki International Fair, and which was essentially seen as a starting point of this marathon campaign. Uh, let's begin with the headline story. Kyriakos Mitsotakis returns for a second term, strengthened after a convincing election result following four challenging years, which included a lot of crisis, a lot of difficulties for the government. How do you think he's going to use this new mandate, which obviously also bolsters his position within the party as well as with the Greek uh, electorate? What do you think will be his policy priorities and so on? Yeah, Nick, Nick, I don't think anyone at Syriza actually listened to that podcast in <laughs> September because we had actually warned them that unless they made some serious changes, like trouble was ahead, and I think fully, it fully materialized in these two elections. Uh, yeah, I mean, w- without a doubt, the, the result is a, is a triumph for uh, Mitsotakis, although... I think it's it's probably to be put into a little bit of context because what is what has made it so impressive is primarily the complete collapse that we have seen from Syriza. Yep. Uh, I mean, for instance, if you look at a little bit at the you know the votes that New Democracy got, actually the 2.1 million of uh, this election was uh, roughly 300,000 less than the elections of um, uh, of May. Right. And. Also, it's below the 2.25 million that uh, New Democracy got in the first win in July 2019. So a good performance, but not as, astound, as uh, outstanding as might uh, you might think. You know, they didn't exactly knock it out of the park. Mm. Uh, nonetheless, this puts them in a very comfortable position, uh, 158 seats in parliament, which I think that uh, they will not... Uh, uh, use it materially differently from the roughly same number that they had in uh, the elections of 2019. I think if we also see the the first move of the government that were uh, on Wednesday announced by the PM in the first uh, cabinet meeting, uh, they they are following their uh, their policy agenda as they had presented it into the um, during the election campaign. Yeah. So uh, I think there will be some uh, decisive initial steps because you want to show probably in the first 100 days a, a strong signal that you, you meant business and you're sticking to your commitments. And I would also feel very confident if I was Mitsotakis because the, it's not just Syriza that is weak. The combined uh, you know, second and third parties are really uh, weak in terms of the you know, pressure they can uh, apply to him in terms of number. Uh, However, I'm sure we're going to get to this later, he should be a little bit concerned by the fact that he will have uh, seven parties pounding him in parliament, in opposition, and some of them will be from his right. Yeah, that is something that uh, we'll come to. I think that's an interesting aspect to look at. Uh, Let's go to Syriza for a second. Obviously, they suffered another defeat, seeing their support drop from just 20% in the first election to even lower 17.8% in the uh, second vote. Alexis Tsipras, for the moment, is not resigning. 
but it seems he will trigger a leadership contest. Where does the main opposition party, the uh, leading left-wing party in Greece, where does it go next? I cannot see them going without minimum having a leadership discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is, is going to be a contest in the end or if it will be a contest that seriously that Tsipras will participate or not. But they need a, a, a leadership discussion because they got in these elections below one million votes. Yeah. It's actually roughly 930,000 that they got. In, in September 15, when they won the last election, they had 1.9 million voters. Incredible collapse. So as, you, as you can see, it's a, it's a collapse that in itself needs to some serious introspection and consideration about the things that, uh, that went wrong. Uh, there were serious changes in terms of even the, the MP participation, some like really big household names of the party didn't make it to parliament. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they need to take a holistic approach and actually see where exactly it went wrong and then exactly what party they want to be in the future. Because what when, when I joked about the that September 22 podcast, we had said that they they need to decide what role exactly they want to play mm-hmm. in Greek politics. And they didn't do that in the four years that they had during the Mitsotakis term, and definitely they didn't do it in these two elections. Yeah, it, it's clear that they're in search of a purpose. For, for, for so long, if not a protest party per se, they were benefiting from a protest vote. And... As soon as the reason for that protest, in other words, the Greek crisis disappeared, those votes dried up as as well. And this happened in 2019, and they had four years to adjust, to rethink, to draw up new plans, and it never happened. Uh, there was this concept of a move to the centre-left, but that in itself is not enough. There has to be something behind that, some kind of vision, some kind of policy idea, some kind of direction, and that's obviously completely lacking. And so uh, they'll need to find all those, and they may need to do it with a a new leader. You flagged up last September that Tsipras was becoming a drag on the party because he was carrying the baggage from 2015, the referendum, uh, the reversal of the result of that referendum, the, uh, the the closure of the Greek banks, the cost that came with his uh, uh, bailout negotiation uh, tactics. Uh, and it seems to me that he, he definitely has to go now if uh, Syriza is to move forward. And uh, as we've uh, discussed uh, off air, potentially he doesn't want to go right now because he doesn't want his rivals to claim his scalp. He would rather go through an internal party process or maybe take it up to a leadership contest and then say he's stepping aside. Or maybe maybe in his mind he feels that he can stay on. We'll, we'll find out. But it seems to me that a leadership change is the first step, uh, not the only step to towards his, uh, making any kind of comeback, if it can come back from this. Yeah, and a point that we made back then was that um, if if the if the government of Mitsotakis was so bad as uh, you know series that we're describing, they should have serious concerns why they are performing so poorly in all the opinion polls. Yeah. So 
the, the whole narrative collapsed and the, the, the leadership discussion is only natural because they have lost all age groups, they've lost all professional uh, you know, affiliations, they've lost pretty much every single segment that they could potentially look for some hope or something to hang on to. They've, they've fared terribly. Yep. Yeah, uh, if if I remember correctly, at least in the first election, in in the youth votes at the A seventeen to twenty four, there was a twelve or fourteen point swing in uh, New Democracy's favour, a group that Syriza had dominated in two thousand nine when they they lost the election. So, uh, as you say, it's 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 a total comprehensive defeat. Let's move yeah. to the third party, centre left PASOK, which inched up again in the second elections to almost 12% after getting about 115 in the first vote. This will bolster its leader, Nikos Andrulakis' position. Uh, he, he took over control of the party in late 2021, so he's still in the early stages of his leadership. But it has to be said that what was a former political powerhouse in Greece is still in a pretty weak position. Um, does Pasok's future lie in trying to pick up the pieces from a possible complete collapse of Syriza, or do you think they're better off seeking some kind of centre-left alliances, a, a joining of forces with uh, Syriza? Yeah, you, you see Pasok there in, in a really strange position because, you know, if you look at the result, they got uh, you know more than six hundred thousand votes, roughly six hundred eighteen thousand, and this compares to four hundred fifty-seven thousand in the 2019 election, and roughly 340,000 in 2015 election. So, you know, they, they, they have performed well considering the, you know, the, the troubles they found themselves, uh, you know, in the midst of the, of the crisis and from and up to 2015 and onwards. So, uh, you know, PASO can take some comfort from, from this uh, side of the result. But at the same time, when you see that the you know the party that is probably within the your your own political vicinity series are having such a, you know a massive collapse in support, surely they must be wondering, you know, why we didn't get a little bit more yeah. Yeah. of that uh, of that movement, and and they will probably look at the data and see if is there you know fertile ground in the in the next four years to try and communicate with these people. And if developments within Syriza lead to, you know, to further deterioration for the left, for the leftists, maybe Pasok will see that there's an opportunity there to grow its support. And then I think if they become the second party within the next either opinion polls or the next elections, that could create a momentum to build more, uh, more support and be more challenging uh, towards a new democracy. Yeah, it, it's it's a tricky choice now for Pasok how they play it. I guess they will have to wait to see also what direction uh, Syriza goes with, and if potentially under new leadership there is more room for synergy uh, between Pasok and uh, Syriza. Uh, it's certain though that there is a long, long way back for the left center left space in Greece. They are way behind new democracy, not just in terms of level of support, but I would say in terms of strategy, policy ideas, in terms of um, organization, 
in terms of finances, we we should say that New Democracy has spent a huge amount on its uh, communications, on its campaigning, amounts that the other parties aren't getting uh, close to. But uh, you know, spending it is one thing; uh, having a positive effect is another, and it's it's really worked for them. So, uh, and we should also forget that should also not forget that New Democracy has a fa- very favorable media landscape and who so the opposition will have to operate in this unfavorable environment and find ways of getting its message across and getting traction for the issues and the ideas that uh, it wants to put across which which it hasn't done over the last four years yeah i think the the, the opposition parties and especially Syriza and Pasok who come from the center left they also have some of the issues issues countering the agenda of the government because some of the policies that is adopting were seen initially as being the privilege of the center left for instance one being uh, you know lower taxation for the middle class yeah. which has suffered quite a lot during the you know the crisis years and this has become essentially the you know the main policy banner of new democracy uh, and th- this is a ch- this is a challenging situation for uh, for Syriza and Pasok because you cannot really argue against, uh, you know, lower taxation yeah, yeah. for the for the middle class. Yeah, no, no, it, it's clear that uh, strategically, new democracy has outdone both uh, Syriza and Pasok, and they need to go back to the drawing board. But let's go to an issue that uh, you you raised earlier, and it's in in a sense the big news of uh, the election night on Sunday, which was the entrance into parliament of three fringe parties, uh, the far-right Spartans, the ultra-conservative religious Nikki, and the populist uh, Plefsi Eleftherias, or Cause for Freedom. Um, This also boosted the the presence of the far-right in Parliament, uh, as well as bringing in three new fringe populist uh, parties and and increasing the number of parties in Parliament. What's your initial feeling about why we're seeing these extreme parties making an appearance or a reappearance? If you go back a few years ago, we had parties like uh, Golden Dawn, the neo-Nazis in, in Parliament. We had independent Greeks, an ultra-nationalist party, not only in Parliament, but in government, in coalition with Syriza. What do you think is behind this, Yanis? Yeah, well, what I found fascinating regarding those three is the fact that uh, essentially, they got such strong support without a policy agenda. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think that for the for the party Spartans, we didn't even know who the leader was. Yeah. For Perlevsi Eleftherias, uh, the only person that came forward was their their leader, but without any specific policy choices, and just uh, promoting that we are the party of love. Which and, which is important, of course, but you know, and, and it, makes, as well. it makes the world go round. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, for for Nikki, they 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 hardly ever got any any you know participation in the in the mainstream media to present their position. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Spartans didn't exist as a party in the first election, which is incredible. This this is incredible. Uh, well, also it's quite interesting to see. Uh, the, the you know the flow of voters for these parties. So for for Spartans, uh, 
18%, according to the, you know, some of the exit polls data that's available, um, they got 18% of the vote for people that they didn't vote before or they just voted, uh, uh, you know, or just put a white uh, ballot. Right. And that was followed by New Democracy with 16% of their vote. Then they took some uh, voters from Eliniki, uh, Lisi, uh, and Niki, mm-hmm. voters from the previous elections. And they even got some uh, 11% from, uh, some 6% from uh, Plefsi Eleftherias. So as you can see, there's a lot of movement within this, those small parties, which for me tells me that there's a lot of protest vote that just tries to find the, the political affiliation that it feels closest to. Yeah. And also, it's no surprise that uh, a large chunk is coming from a uh, new democracy. For instance, uh, over 10% of Eliniki Lisi came from new democracy and the 8.6% of Niki. Yeah. But that's not a surprise because we're talking about the, you know, the, the, the right-wing space of the, of the spectrum. There had been a discussion, of course, in 2019, and even the, the Prime Minister Mitsotakis claimed this to some extent, that uh, his victory then and the fact that Golden Dawn didn't re-enter Parliament, and of course in 2020 their leadership were convicted of being a criminal gang, and some of them were jailed, including Elias Casidiaris, uh, one of the most prominent figures, who is essentially seen as the man behind the Spartans. He gave them their clear his clear support from his uh, jail cell. A number of the candidates elected with the Spartans were candidates with the party that Casidiaris wanted to participate in the first elections, but was banned from doing so uh, by the Supreme Court. The claim in 2019 was the far right and the populism had been defeated. And I remember we wrote at the time that certainly as far as the far right was concerned, this was a bit of a nonsense claim because you could see that the votes were simply uh, dispersed, had gone to other fringe parties. And it was really a, a case of someone being able to put together a sort of competent or half-competent case for, for for being elected and they would be back. And that's what's happened this time. And it, you could probably argue that it's not even a half-competent case. As you said, if you go to the website of Spartans, Niki, Plefsi, Eleftherias, there are hardly any policies there. There's nothing really. It's just an identity thing. Um, yeah, but what we consider is that people do not really vote them for their policy mm-hmm. proposal. Yeah. They just want this type of representation that, I don't know, will rock the establishment, will rock the boat in parliament. That this could be enough to attract people's votes. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I, I think there would be, have to be a more sort of detailed and longer term research and study into this to see where these parties are coming from, where their support is coming from, why they have arrived at this moment. But if I could throw two things out there just for consideration. One, I would say that what we have seen over the last four years is the emergence in Greece, um, not to the extent that we see it, say, in the US or some other European countries, but certainly the emergence of identity politics, uh, discussions of issues like uh, uh, anti-abortionism, um, the, the uh, LBGTQ plus uh, issues come more into the uh, uh, 
discussion and you see some more extreme positions. We saw it also with a kind of fledgling anti-vax movement in Greece uh, during uh, COVID. And I think this has created some fertile ground for these kinds of uh, parties. And the other issue is, is clearly, and this uh, chimes with what's happening in other European countries, the issue of migration. Now, um, Greece doesn't have a migration issue in the sense that other European countries have where some other European countries have where they have to uh, take take on migrants in big numbers. Greece is a transition country, but this government has come in and made a big point of saying that it's going to defend its borders. It's extending the wall on the land border in Evros with uh, Turkey. It's being accused of uh, performing pushbacks uh, in the Aegean. We had, of course, the tragic uh, shipwreck just before the uh, uh, second uh, elections and the role of the Greek Coast Guard there is being examined. Um, but it's not so much, I think, the, 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 the policy that is creating... Uh, we, and, and the policy has strong public backing. We have to say that the opinion policy does have strong public backing. I don't think it's so much the, the, the policy that is creating uh, 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 this uh, desire for for even harsher uh, treatment of uh, migrants. I think it's the language that goes with it, the rhetoric and the debate around it. So whenever we've had reports, mostly in the inter- international media, it has to be said about pushbacks about the uh, poor treatment of migrants, the response, and including from government, but also government-friendly media and commentators, is to attack the newspapers, the journalists questioned in, in question, to raise doubts about their motives, to suggest that they are agents of some foreign foreign services to uh, uh, question their uh, sentiment towards Greece, whether they're of Greek heritage or not, to question their political affiliations and so on. And I think that has had a really poisonous effect. And we see it also when uh, with uh, the approach to either uh, activists on the migration issue or NGOs who have become um, figures of, of, of hate, for the establishment. And I I, I think this has uh, given the far right the sense that anything goes. And in this environment, they can uh, be as uh, aggressive and uh, as bold as they want, and they will get rewarded for it because, you know, it's it's open season on this issue. I I don't know if you agree. But it also underlines why this is the communication strategy of the government on this topic, mm-hmm. because it knows that there are people on its right that are favoring a, a tough stance on the issue of migration. Sure. So it knows that if I appear to take a more relaxed approach, people that currently support me because they think that I, you know, I, I meet their expectations on the topic might look elsewhere. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And this really brings us to the, the last point I want us to discuss, in which uh, I want to address M- Mitsotakis's position and how he may govern. We, we said earlier that he is obviously in a strong position within his party and vis-a-vis the electorate. But my question is, do you think he'll be able to ignore 
the populist and reactionary opposition uh, that the fringe parties will undoubtedly provide. There's no doubt in my mind that they will be um, quite vociferous. Or could you envision a situation in which uh, ND officials, new democracy officials, become concerned about losing votes to the right and put pressure on the prime minister to be more conservative on some issues than perhaps he might want to be? Yeah, well, uh, remember we discussed about the Farage effect. Mm -hmm. Nigel Farage in the UK essentially pushed for a referendum and Brexit without even making it to Parliament. Yeah. That was because Cameron was concerned about the effect that uh, UKIP at the time would have on the Tories. So I, I really do not think that uh, strong as his position may be for Mitsotakis, I don't think he's, he, he can ignore the, the, the parties to his right. Uh, most likely, because they do not have a very broad agenda, they will come focused on issues that are close to their voters' hearts and will also, they feel comfortable debating and pushing. I think that's going to happen. And the fact that he will have, like we said, about seven parties in opposition pounding him, a very diverse opposition. Uh, In one hand, you might say that they might be weakened because you do not have a solid, uh, you know, main uh, opposition party. But at the same time, I think it will complicate matters for him. Okay, there is a school of thought that says Mitsotakis has an eight-seat majority. He's won re-election, a fresh mandate. He's in a strong position. He won't need to pay heed to anyone on his left, on his right. He'll govern the way he wants. And maybe it will uh, play out uh, like that. As a counter-argument, I would say that he was in a similar position 2019 to 2023, and we constantly heard and felt concern within new democracy about losing votes to its right. Uh, And one of the reasons that the government has pursued such a strong uh, line on the immigration issue is because it wants to shore up its uh, right wing. And that was without having any real right-wing presence in Parliament beyond the Greek uh, solution. So now we have a bigger presence in Parliament. And I think what the presence in Parliament does, it's a material change, not in the sense that these guys can block legislation, but A, they have a platform uh, from which they can uh, be uh, belligerent and uh, reactionary and uh, get their uh, message delivered to the public. And secondly, they will have more uh, media coverage, again, uh, giving them uh, uh, access to uh, voters. Uh, and of course, the third one is the, the, the kind of the, the, the prestige and the, the, the financial uh, gains that come with being in parliament that allows them to have a more uh, prominent uh, presence. So. Given that situation, if New Democracy was concerned about losing votes to its right in the first term, you would think they would be even more concerned in the second term. And if you were to play out a a hypothetical scenario, and there are a lot of ifs here, but just uh, bear with me for for a second. If over the next four years, the uh, Syriza, Pasok managed to get their act together to whatever extent, they will be targeting the area where 
uh, Mitsotakis is strongest, the centre, the kind of moderate floating voters who might move to the centre-right, might move to, to the centre-left. And even if they have a modicum of success, they will take some votes from New Democracy. So what does that mean? In order to stay into power, New Democracy will look potentially to its right to pick up votes from there. And that's why I think that there is a potential that this situation could, if not influence Mitsotakis directly, it could influence uh, people within New Democracy to put pressure on him to express concern about, look, Prime Minister, we need to be aware of this. We need to follow uh, a line that means we don't antagonize these uh, right-wing uh, voters. Yeah, and also we have to we have to consider that Mitsotakis. I think he's played it smartly in the first term because he never really made any bold moves on topics that are sensitive to his right flank. For instance, the relationship with the church how that relationship played out during the pandemic, concessions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the government had to make, um, LGBT rights, uh, adoption rights. It's always making cautious progressive steps because he knows that there's no need to completely alienate a, a certain part of, uh, of his right-wing support. Yeah, no, great, great point. On that, Yanis, I think that we'll conclude this uh, swift but uh, interesting uh, post-election uh, discussion. I'm, uh, uh, it's been a great uh, all these times discussing with you, but I'm sure, sure uh, you're happy that uh, we've concluded this, as our listeners will be. We can move on to other subjects, although, of course, we will return to uh, Greek politics and so what's uh, going on in the political scene in uh, the months ahead, I'm sure there'll be interesting things to uh, talk about then. Yeah, how, how to broaden the topics <laughs> from now on. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely, definitely. And to our listeners, thanks for sticking with us during this long election period. I hope you've got something out of these election special podcasts. Uh, do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Send us your feedback. We always love uh, hearing from you and we'll be back soon. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.